Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, here we are back at it again at the boot camp, finally in my actual home office that is in my home, not in the garage. have a little more energy and voice and excitement than last week, although, Bob, sadly to say, I still wouldn't say I'm 100% back from COVID. Mm. I, I think I'm somewhere around 90. Saturday was not a good day. I got real lightheaded and shaky. Like I was uh, going to Lowe's and grabbing something and I got a little shaky. And and so I feel good today and even better because I get to look at your beautiful face on the screen. Well, that's awesome, man. Not that you were sick, of course, and shaky and lightheaded. So, man, you, that's the thing. Is you, you, it took me a month or more to recover from COVID and you just got to take it easy. Plus, you know, you moved during COVID, like we said on the last episode. Mm. I think you painted, like, I mean, you painted, you put down flooring, you excavated rat poop, you've, you know, went to a football game. Like, you know, Jimbo doesn't slow down. So I think 90% Jimbo is probably like 100% or 120% more most everybody else. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, we actually this morning, our family commented, rest is not something we're very good at. Mm. The stewards, we're, we're working on it. We're getting better about it. But we, as a family, kind of run at 100 miles an hour all the time. But we're we are learning that there are there are limits and we have to slow down every once in a while. That's true, man. And especially us replanter types, we've got a list of 40 things that need to be done and we add 20 to it by the time we pass nine o'clock in the morning and we don't feel good about having uh, most of that not done at the end of the day. So man, if you're a replanter, learn to rest. I, I, um, I think the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing the importance of rest because Jimbo, I'm getting older. I'm slowing down a little bit and I still look a lot younger than I actually am, which I'm thankful for, but yeah, but I'm a little bit slower than I used to be. Yeah, it happens, man. I guess it happens to the best of us all eventually. Yeah, so I'm going to be uh, going to supper at 3.30 today and <laughs> the early bird special. Get the AARP discount and yeah, go to the go to the early movies. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I was visiting years ago. We went on a vacation as a family to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Yep. Because we had some family stuff going on, and so we tried it. We tied in a little bit of personal vacation time. And Hot Springs is like old people central. There's there's a lot a lot of senior adults in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I was not aware of that. And it was and so everything's at a really slow pace. And the only line I saw, the only time I saw anything really busy when we were Hot Springs, was the movies. At 1.30 p.m., there was just like an insane line of people at because it's before two, so you get the discount of being before two. And all the senior adults, I guess, go to the movies at 1.30 p.m. in Hot Springs, Arkansas. little travel tip. Yeah, don't despise the early movie. Mm -mm. I have done that uh, several times with with, uh, the lovely and talented and beautiful Mrs. Barb Bickford. And Mm -hmm. we like the daytime movie 
number one is because most of most of the time we're pretty sleepy by about eight eight thirty nine and the the nighttime movie is loud man you just do get people in there and they're they're talking during the movie and all this kind of stuff you go with the old people man nobody's talking some of them aren't even awake right so you know <laughs> it's pretty good to go you're, to sound, you're sounding older and older as the as we go further in the podcast it's, <laughs> it's too loud it's too late it's Get off my lawn. <laughs> well, I'm going to do my best to show empathy to you because that's our topic today. I'll be turning 40 in a few in a few months from or six months from now. And so I, I'm entering that that later stage, that halfway mark, the over the hill piece here later this year. But I extend my empathy and my understanding what you're going through as best I can as I awkwardly transition to our topic of the day. As we continue on the the character of leaders in replants and revitalization, we've already hit uh, a few topics. We've hit humility and goodwill. And so now we want to talk about empathy. And one of the things that was fascinating to me as I started to research this, Bob, is there is apparently some debate out there on whether empathy is something pastoral leaders should have or not. Really? Yeah, there's there's some contention out there on this topic. Basically, the the frustration that some people have or hesitancy that some people have, I think is really based on a misunderstanding of what empathy is and they they think that it means approving of bad behavior or bad thing like to have empathy of somebody going through something because of sin mm-hmm. maybe would be approving of that sinful lifestyle or behavior and so i really think a good understanding of empathy a, a scriptural understanding of empathy would show that it's something that really we should all have as as christians as followers of christ we should exhibit i think the a characteristic of christ in empathy, but especially in in leading a replant or revitalization. And in a future episode, we're going to talk more about the emotional impact of change. And, and I think empathy plays an important part in that, right, of understanding that, man, change is hard. And change is a big piece of what we're talking about in replanting revitalization. So we talk a lot about leading change and and the process of that and the aspects of that. And we're going to go further into that as, as we continue on. But in that process, I think it'll go a long way to, to practice empathy, for that to be part of your character, that as people describe you or think about you, that they would think about you as somebody that has empathy. Good call. The challenge for a lot of planters, pastors, replanters, let me, let me just probably say maybe planters and, and high, high D replanters. They're so committed to the vision and they love the vision. It's like, man, let's go, right? Let's do it. And people who've been in a declining church have acclimated to that the decline and acclimated to the culture, which is not progressive, which is not moving forward, which is not seeing a lot of things happen. So somebody comes in and and with a high vision element and capacity, high deep personality, they're, they're not going to have a lot of empathy. It reminds me of when I was an intern at a very large mega church, the, uh, the minister of education, the guy who ran the Sunday school, he he asked us to call him Mr. Sunday School. He was hilarious. <laughs> and so he brought us into his office and, you know, he would do lectures with us. And he said, boys, today we're going to talk about counseling. And I've got three G's for counseling. Get over it. Get on with it. And get out of here. 
Lewis <laughs> wears three G's of counseling. And so I can safely say he did not have any empathy. Oh, man, no, not at all. <laughs> man, I'm trying to think. There's a there's a comedian from a while ago. There's a skit that he had on Saturday Night Live about that where he would counsel and he would listen to people and he would go, just stop it. Just stop. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I think empathy goes a long way. According to Oxford Dictionary, empathy is defined as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. I've heard one guy say it's it's really being able to live in somebody else's skin for a minute and just understand what it, what it feels like to be that person. Uh, according to Carl Rogers, empathy is to perceive the internal frame of reference of another person with accuracy and with emotional components and meanings that pertain thereto as if one were the person, but without losing the as if condition. Our writer of this article in Ministry Magazine that I got that from says, in other words, to show empathy toward another individual or group means to imagine what it would be like to be that person or group. Uh, one should do so in moderation without losing the sense of one's own self in another. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled up that article and a few other articles that that clarify a little bit in a ministry context what empathy is. Scott McKnight is, did write uh, an article about this with Christianity Today where he talks about the kind of contention that some people have on empathy as a virtue for leaders. And one of the things he says is we have to make a distinction between compassion and empathy, that they're not exactly the same thing, and sometimes we confuse those. Compassion is the the broader word referring to both an understanding of another's pain and the desire to somehow mitigate that pain. Empathy refers to the ability to relate to another person's pain vicariously, as if one has experienced the pain themselves. I think about the opposite of empathy maybe would be like your buddy with the three G's of counseling or Job's buddies, mm-hmm. and, you know, when, and or Job's wife, you know, just curse God and die, or obviously this is your fault. Mm-hmm. I remember I took a class in seminary called Grief, Death, and Dying or something really ominous like that. And in that class, they, they taught us what they called the ministry of presence. And this really was the thing I pulled away from that class more than anything they said that when, when people are going through grief or difficult times, we have a tendency, especially as leaders, to try to fix things. We want to be fixers when really we have the Holy Spirit within us who is the great counselor. And one of the best things we can do sometimes is just sit with people, right, and just be there. Because if, if, if I'm sitting with you during a hard time and I have the Holy Spirit in me and you have the Holy Spirit in you, then just the presence of that Holy Spirit can be ministry to your heart and to your soul. And then beyond that, just saying, hey, man, that that must be really hard what you're going through right now. And I get that. And I don't have to have experienced exactly the same thing as you, but just acknowledging that it's hard. And and so when we apply that to replanting and revitalization, I think as pastors, we have to acknowledge what we're asking members and what we're leading members of a dying church to do is really hard and emotional and painful and it's stretching. And I mean, I think it would be, I think we'd be remiss to, to not exercise empathy in our leadership. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. And if, if I can, I'd like to rewind just a little bit to talk about how each of us approach this idea of being empathetic or, or demonstrating empathy. 
So one of the things that that we often don't realize, and I don't want to be real super psychological here, right? I don't, I've taken some psychology classes. I've done some reading, you know, pastoring, counseling, that sort of thing. <clears throat> but and, and you've stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Man, our home of origin stuff mm-hmm. really impacts the way we relate to other people. It does. So for instance, Jimbo, if you're a kid and you got upset at school and you came home and let's say you told one of your parents and their response was to, well, if you didn't do this, this, and this, then that wouldn't have happened. Right. Mm. So that's not an empathetic response. That's an instructive response. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's say you get injured. Right. And you fall down and you get a pretty big cut or scrape on your leg or something. And you run inside and there's blood and, you know, you're crying. And let's say one of your uh, parents then just freaks out like they can't handle it. Like they just get emotional. Right. And they just they're, they're they're struggling with that. Those two instances as a young person growing up you're experiencing people's response to pain. Mm-hmm. So that imprints on you, right? And what it does is basically if you, if you realize if if you develop, if you grow up in a home where every time you're upset or frustrated about something, it's somehow your fault, right? Then you'll realize, well, I'm, n- I'm never going to be at fault or I'm never going to be upset or I'm only going to respond to people in a way that I've been responded to. Right. I'll be instructive. Well, if you hadn't done those four things, then you wouldn't be here. Right. So a replanter who has that home of origin issue might run in to say, well, if you guys hadn't fired the last pastor and if you didn't resist singing new songs and if you actually cared about people in the community and wanted to reach out to them, then you guys wouldn't be in this really crappy place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's home of origin kinds of stuff. And Sometimes we don't sit with that long enough and realize how we approach a topic like empathy. So combine that with a high D personality and a person who's more visionary than shepherd on that continuum, visionary shepherd, you're going to find a a person, a pastor, a replanter, uh, a planter that struggles in even sitting in somebody else's position, walking in their shoes, trying to understand what it would be like for their skin. So what I want to say is, is I think we're going to hit on some really key highlights for, for people to understand how do you develop empathy? What does the Bible say about it? And how do you, what are some characteristics of it? But I would say, even before we get there, you probably need to spend some time reflecting on when you were uh, growing up, what kind of comfort did you receive when you encountered something that was painful, right? Mm. It's emotional, physical, that sort of thing, because I think that'll be helpful for you because some of what we might suggest would seem completely foreign to you otherwise. Yeah, I think when we look at home of origin and the psychological stuff, one of the reasons people give pushback to that is they feel like people use that stuff as an excuse sure. for their behavior. My wife, Audrea, and I have have said it like this. We think it's we've encouraged people to see Christian counselors to unpack that stuff to help explain, but not excuse yep. how, why they behave. Like, so why you respond to things that there's a reason you respond to things in a way that you respond to things. And it is actually very helpful to have an explanation for that and understanding of that. So it just gives you clarity in your head to be able to start shifting to a better response than what your natural response is. But the worst thing you could do is 
explore those things from your childhood, from your past, from your upbringing, and just use that as an excuse. And so I think that's the pushback. And so I would just say, yes, explore those things. We at the boot camp are big proponents of good Christian counseling that helps explain the way, the reason you respond to things the way you do so that it's part of your sanctification and spiritual maturing process to become more like Christ. In regards to empathy and a scriptural basis for empathy, I, I think the clearest passage is probably Romans twelve fifteen. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. I mean, that's, that is what empathy is, right? Yeah. It's to say, you're rejoicing, and so I'm going to rejoice with you. You're mourning, I'm going to mourn with you. But I think we see it evidenced in the life of Christ. In uh, I, I put down a lot of verses. I'm not going to read them all, but there's a word, spunkizimoy. I can't say it, but there's a... There... <laughs> what did you... What, did you just sneeze? <laughs> Splan... Spl- S-P-L-A-N-C-H-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. <laughs> It's a Greek word often used to describe Jesus being moved with emotion and pity for someone in pain in which Jesus responds with, this is important, understanding and action. Yeah. And so here's some references of that word. Mark 141, he's moved with pity, moved with pity. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper, saying to him, I I, I do choose be made clean. And so he he understands, he's moved with pity, and then he moves with action. Mark 6.34, as he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and began to teach them many things. He saw they, so he had that, he had, the word there is translated compassion, but it's the word I'm not going to try to pronounce for you. I can try it. I had Greek in seminary. Can I try it? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I think it's, Maybe. I don't know. We could be corrected by, you know, Double Doc or somebody else, but I would say it is splancrizomai. Okay. Okay. Splancrizomai. It's an oh my verb. It's a me verb in in Greek. So yeah. continue. Yeah, I had Greek in seminary. I just don't remember much of it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it, was, it was not what I was good at. All right. Mark 9.22 has this word. It is it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Talking about a demon-possessed person, but if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Luke ten thirty three. but a Samaritan while traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. Here's my point. That, that word doesn't just mean pity or compassion. It means being moved with emotion and, and pity for somebody in pain. It's, it's understanding somebody's having pain and, yep. and, and it moving you, it, 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 it changing your emotions because of what they're going through. And what we see with Jesus is that it's understanding and action. And so as we talk about empathy, I, I don't want to just talk about going, hey man, that's hard and that's it, right? It's, there's understanding and there's action of service. And so, so I've listed out five key characteristics that I think ways that we can kind of further dive into the idea of empathy a little bit here in our last few minutes to sit with someone with empathy is, is one to be fully present with them, right? To not be looking at your phone or not be talking to somebody else, but really present with them Two is active listening. You're listening. Well, 
doing active listening to them as they're sharing, to suspend judgment. This is not saying, this is where people struggle with empathy a little bit. This is not saying that we don't call sin, sin, but that we sit with the pain, in the pain for a moment. And as we work through that, we and then compassionate understanding and proactive caring. That's where, that's where the understanding yeah. moves to action. It's a powerful list. And, you know, as I'm thinking about my own just empathetic response or, or lack of empathetic response, it, it's convicting to think about that list, right? Fully present. I think mostly I'm, I can do that one pretty well. Active listening. I think I can do that pretty well. Here's the hurdle for me, suspending judgment right? Mm-hmm. Like I just, man, this is a struggling. Like if it's like, well, if you, if you wouldn't be that way, like <laughs> you wouldn't feel this way. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's the hard part of, and that judgment, you know, and this is the thing I've heard this. You probably heard this said in, in a church circle or a church family before. Well, you know, Jesus said, we're not supposed to judge one another, judge not lest ye be judged. Well, in essence, he's saying what the word there is. When we go back to the the Greek word uh, for judgment is to render a final judgment, right? Mm -hmm. It's not to judge the situation or the circumstances, not to evaluate it, not to look at it, but it's to, to have the gavel in your hand and to hammer down a final verdict that says, this is the way it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And what we see scripture tells us only the Lord has that authority to say, this is the way, it is I mean, to render the final judgment. So suspending judgment is to say, you know, I may not have all the facts here. I may not know the background. I may not know what their emotions or, or hurts or pains they're bringing into this. I may not know why this was hard for them or important for them. You know, those are, those are things that we could suspend judgment. I think one of the things we often do is when we, and we see this in our culture all the time, when somebody does something, we perceive it from how we would receive it or do it. And if it's different than those two categories, we're probably going to err on the side of judging them because they're not like us. Yeah. And the exact thing that's the exact thing that we're talking about don't is difficult. And and the Lord asks us not to do that. Mm. Yeah. I think the suspense judgment part is where people that may want to push back against this would probably push back of Mm -hmm. and that idea of like, look, we can't overlook sin. And that's where I just want to clarify. I'm not saying overlook sin. Yeah, totally. And that's when we move to compassionate understanding and proactive caring, that's lived out largely through discipleship, right? I mean, it's through service and mercy and care. But if it's someone you have pastoral authority and responsibility for, and their pain is being caused by their own sinful choices, then proactive caring is a process of discipleship, right? Mm-hmm. Helping them grow. But here's the deal. If all you do is beat them up about their sin, it's, that's not discipleship. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are still consequences. Yeah. And we need to be clear about those consequences, and we need to be clear about sin as sin. But there's something powerful about just not being shocked. I mean, I, most of my ministry experience has been in inner city, low income, uh, high crime settings. And so one of the things I've learned is, is, is if, if I want to impact people's lives, who are in those settings and have done and or are doing egregious things, then man, I have to suspend judgment in the sense of like, I can't be blown away whenever they tell me, oh, I sell drugs or I've killed people or I've done these things or I like or prostitutes like that. I've done ministry amongst all those groups of people. 
And, and what I need, what they need from me is to hear that and then not get shocked mm-hmm. and just say, man, the grace of Jesus is sufficient yeah. uh, for that. And so I'm not here to judge you for that. Now, I, I'm not going to, as your pastor, just sit by and let that just happen. We're going to talk through what does it look like to submit that area of, of your life to Christ but we're also going to figure out like what led to you doing that. Talking about that home of origin or mm-hmm. those people like like what led to those decisions? How did we get to this point that you just you decided selling drugs is what you needed to do or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you're dealing with lesser or greater things than that. But I suspending judgment and then going, so how did we get here? Something led to that, right? And let's understand that and let's take that and understand it and get explanation and let's submit that to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And let's let the grace of, of Jesus be sufficient for us in that and knowing that there is therefore now no condemnation, which is why I can suspend judgment while also giving pastoral authority and discipleship and correction and rebuke like mm-hmm. Scripture teaches us to. Yeah, I think real clear, 100 percent. I'm thankful that you clarified we're, we're not talking about not speaking clearly and biblically about sin as it's expressed in the scriptures. It's not what we're talking about because we do that as pastors. And if we get away from that, we're not being faithful to what God has called us to do. But judgment is is that final verdict of saying, yeah, it's over for you. I'm sorry. Like, you know, get on out of here <laughs> kind of thing or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And, and this is where the gospel is really awesome and messy, right? Yeah. And Jesus and his band of followers— and the way he forgave people, you know, think of the the woman who was caught in adultery. You know, they just brought her there. They didn't bring the dude, right? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, Jesus didn't give her the recorded response that we have from Jesus was not this long lecture. You know, where's your true love's weight ring? Where, you know, where's your commitment to purity? You know, all that kind of stuff. He just who said. Who wants this rose? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he just said go and sin no more. Right. Okay. Mm. And man, the world that we live in and the context and the communities in which churches that are needing to be replanted and revitalized, they need to hear that. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That in essence, Christ has taken on our judgment and suspended it for us. And so as pastors of the gospel and as people of the gospel, it's important for us to practice empathy in that way. It's going to be messy. It's going to be hard, um, especially because a lot of the dysfunctional churches and the dying churches, they're really good at keeping rules. So you got a lot of good people exhibit. You got a lot of people who exhibit good behavior, but not gospel behavior and gospel action. Absolutely. Guys, that's the end of our time. We'd love to talk about this more. I think we will dive into this more as we plan on discussing the emotional cycle of change in a future episode. Just a couple more weeks that we'll be in New Orleans. If you're going to be there with us, man, shoot us a note and let us know. We'd love to make sure we connect with our boot camp listeners, especially while we're there uh, in New Orleans. I know we've got a few of those registered for the event. It is sold out. We're super excited about all that coming up and a lot of other great, exciting things coming ahead. Thanks for listening, as always. And man, feel free to share this and leave us a review. uh, Help us get the word out so that we can continue to serve. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, 
and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.